Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. And today we're going to be getting a new relationship series entitled, Who Needs Marriage? And the reason we're talking about this today is because over this year, and Sam just talked about it a little bit, it has been such a crazy year. And you probably are familiar with this, or at least acquainted with the idea that the Divorce rate in this country has spiked over the last four and a half months uh, during this quarantine time. And you know people and I know people that have gone through and are going through struggles in their marriages. And I just wanted to take some time to strengthen and remind ourselves what are those biblical principles that strengthen all relationships, but especially our marriages. And so that's what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks, and I hope that you will be with us throughout these weeks. It could be a huge encouragement to you and to you and your your spouse and your marriage. Um, But this is really near and dear to my heart. It's not just theoretical. It's very personal. It's very practical to me. Because these principles that I'm talking about are not something that, that are just you know, like I said, ethereal or just kind of theoretical to me. It's so very personal because Leslie and I, about two and a half weeks ago, we just celebrated our 26th wedding anniversary, okay? And so, yeah, thank you. You really need to be applauding Leslie, yeah, wherever she is right now. And uh, it's been awesome. And really, the, the thing that I want to talk about about that is that, so for over a quarter of a century that we've been married, we've been applying God's principles. The stuff that I'm going to be talking about over these next couple of weeks, starting today, and I can truly tell you, it really does get sweeter. It's, we have not been without our challenges and struggles and fights and all of the things that marriages go through, but we have, it's been amazing to see how God, as we go back to him and bring him to the center, include him over and over, how he blesses and transforms our marriage over and over and over again. And here's why, because marriage is God's idea. Marriage is God's idea. And we see this all throughout the Bible. The Bible is bookended with marriage. In the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter two, it begins with a marriage between Adam and Eve. The very end of the Bible in Revelation, it ends with a marriage between Christ and the church. Christ, and we're called the bride of Christ, the people of God. There is a marriage celebration at the end of the Bible. And God's like, this is central to all of life here on this earth. It's the, 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 the kind of the nucleus of the family, if you will. And still to this day, People are looking for this. They want this. They desire this. They want a healthy, loving, passionate marriage. But it continues to be this mystery, this secret that people just can't quite figure out or how to, how to hold on to it. it. It seems to be elusive to us so much of the time. This is why we're going to stop and begin to talk about this. And it's so important for us to first start with the idea that marriage is God's idea. It did, as some believe, that it evolved during the Bronze Age as a way to allocate property ownership, and that it's not true. It predates all of that. God's saying, no, this is my idea. And when you begin to apply what the Bible says about God's design for marriage, it's amazing how it can be, it is crucial to our ability to be successful in our marriage. 
by understanding and applying what he says. Now, um, what I mean by that is, and let me illustrate it like this. Imagine you buy a brand new vehicle. We all like buying new vehicles, right? The smell, it's just fun. It drives great. It's just nice to know you got like some um, uh, maintenance support there for a while at least. And so when you get a new vehicle, one of the things that you have to do is take some time to go through the manual or have someone, maybe from the dealership, go through how this whole vehicle functions. Because especially if it's brand new to you, you've never had one of these before, you've gotta learn how it functions. Well, the way we do that many times, either you do it or you have somebody who's already done this do this for you. They've gone through the manual, they know how all of the gadgets and buttons and knobs work, and they're gonna teach you how it works, how it's been designed. And in addition to that, what the maintenance looks like on that vehicle going forward. Now what happens if you just ignore the owner's manual and just blow off the designer's recommendations for the vehicle? It is gonna be disastrous, right? Destructive. The longevity of that vehicle will go, right? Like it's not gonna last as long, it won't be as good, it's not, you're not gonna get near the mileage or the enjoyment or all of what was intended by the designer of the vehicle for you to have as an end user. You're not gonna get that. So whenever we don't use the manual, when we throw it aside, we can't blame the designer or the creator for the problems with the vehicle, right? It just makes sense, it's just rational, right? And the same is true of marriage. Well, we live in a unique time when marriage is on the decline, that marriage is on the decline, divorce is on the rise, and what's interesting is that statistics are telling us that divorce has been massively oversold, especially to Americans. That on average, divorce does not diminish feelings of self-esteem, uh, or it doesn't get rid of the self-esteem issues that people feel like they're dealing with in their marriage. It, it does not raise depression rates at all. I mean, barring like uh, ongoing adultery, abuse, or abandonment, setting those aside, on average, it really doesn't move the needle at all. The irony is that of the people who are married in this country, a high number of them would say on national surveys that they are very happy. Like 62% of them say that. This is really interesting. And the two-thirds of the people say that they are unhappy in their marriage. Statistics say that if they will just stay married, in the next five years, they will become happy again. If they'll just not give up, if they'll just keep going, they will turn around. But that's not what culture tells us, is it? Not what our world is like, nope. If you're not getting what you need, if you're not happy, get out. Jump ship. Do something else, right? So I want to take just a minute that if you're single or you think you're about to be single someday or even if you're in a marriage and you think, I think my approach to marriage might have been wrong, Part of our, the decline of marriage in our, our country comes from the fact that we have a flawed understanding of marriage. I wanna explain something to you that I think is still a pervasive attitude towards marriage that is corrupting, messing up, making marriages go off the rails all the time, and as a pastor, I get a front row seat to this all the time, so please, I hope you'll hear me today if you're married. But this is how, and I've read many articles and lots of studies about this outside of just Christian literature, but it's, it's so incredibly true, and I see it over and over, is that men and women today 
tend to look at marriage as a way to accomplish personal self-fulfillment. That marriage is somehow a way to accomplish personal life goals. As if to say, I am looking for, many times single people, I'm looking for somebody I can marry that's going to make me fulfilled emotionally, sexually, spiritually, intellectually. They're going to hit all of those buttons for me. And it's going to be incredible. And we're just going to sync up and it'll just be like soulmates and we won't have to work at it at all. It'll be so easy. And it creates this extreme idealistic view of marriage. And some of you who are married are probably snickering under your mask right now, aren't you? Because you know that just doesn't exist. That extreme idealism that many young people in particular are taking into marriage is creating an extreme pessimism towards marriage. And that extreme pessimism is causing a lot of people to say, I'm never going to find anybody to marry. I'll never find anybody that's the right partner for me. And it creates this sense of hopelessness. Like, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to work. It can't happen. So this, this new approach to marriage, what is being called the me marriage approach, it doesn't work. And let me tell you why, for many reasons. First of all, is it requires two people for this kind of a marriage to work. Two people who are well-adjusted, that were like raised in super healthy homes, which that almost never happens anymore, all right? Super healthy home, I mean, let's be honest, right? Uh, me either, I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't raise in the most healthy home. Raised in the most healthy home, they're, they're happy people, just generally happy people. They're people that are not emotionally needy. Hello, who do, who, do you know anybody like that? Okay, and people who do not need to really, they don't really have any character flaws that they really need to work on and that's the kind of people you need to be able to make that kind of work, marriage work and here's the big problem with that there are no people like that available or very 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 few of them and I'm sure some of you single people out there under your mask again are going amen that's right there aren't a lot of people like that out there and it becomes very frustrating so this whole flawed approach of to marriage has created this very frustrating, no-win situation for a lot of people. And then even if you're not single now, but you got into a marriage and you're saying, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I thought you were gonna meet and, and, and this was gonna just happen and it was just gonna click and it was gonna be easy. And it's not happening like that. And it's hard and it is difficult. And you're kind of throwing your hands up going, man, I guess I, I married the wrong person. We're just not as compatible as I thought we were. Newsflash, nobody is compatible, honestly. Let's be really honest about it. Everybody's got to work at this. Here's where I want to start. The Bible says before all of this begins in terms of engaging in a relationship that turns into marriage, here's where we need to begin our understanding. All people are spiritually broken from sin. Everybody is broken by sin, which means, among other things, is that sin causes self-centeredness. It causes us to be selfish, which in turn causes us to act immature at times. And I don't care who you are, me included, we all are self-centered and immature at times. But yet, we have adopted an attitude that says, if we could just fall in love, I don't care who you are, you will just become an angel 
right? All of that stuff just drifts away, and we will be so perfect for each other, and we'll just complete each other, and you won't have any needs, and I won't have any needs, because we'll meet all of those needs, and that just doesn't work, does it? That is not the reality most people live with in their marriage. A good, healthy, passionate marriage is a lot of work, far more work than a lot of people anticipate. But yet, the pushback I get sometimes, but Pastor Will, I mean, we're not talking about like some workplace or athletic endeavor or something like that. We're talking about love, and love should just be easy. It should just happen. We should be soulmates. It should just come together and be super easy. And try telling that to like a major league baseball player just to say, when they say, hey, it's hard to hit, you know, a fastball coming across the, the home plate. Well, it should just be easy, right? It should just come natural for you. They would say, you're crazy. It takes a lot of work, a lot of focus, years and years of practice and honing your skill. I don't care if you've got talent or not. It takes a lot of skill. Now, what if you told somebody who wants to be like the next great American author, like great American novel writer, and they say, hey, you know, it's really hard to write believable characters in a compelling narrative. No, 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 it should be easy. It should just come natural. It should be like, it should just fall out of, just onto the page. You just start writing and it just happens. That's what we think sometimes. But no, they would say, you're out of your mind. This takes a lot of work. And you have to go back over it and reiterations and you have to rewrite, 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 rewrite until it finally works, right? In marriage, people will tell you this that do those things, that say, it's way harder than any athletic endeavor. It is way harder than any artistic endeavor. Way harder. But we've been missold and a misflawed understanding of what marriage is all about. And what's interesting is that even though the percentage of people married in this country has gone down, here's what's fascinating. The number of people who actually want to be married, that want to be in that healthy, loving, and passionate marriage has not gone down at all. We still long for it. We write songs about it. We make movies about it. We write books about it. We are fascinated with it. We are obsessed with it, I would say, in our culture. It is like this precious treasure that everybody longs for, but almost nobody finds. They're, everybody's looking, 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 and they cannot find it anywhere. It's this great mystery. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul was talking about in the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 32, here's what he said about marriage. He says, this is a great, let's say it together, this is a great mystery. It comes from the, the, the origin of that is the Greek word mysterion that means secret. It means something that is unknown until God reveals it through his spirit. It's a mystery to people. It's mysterious, it's, it's unknown. And, and the way that he sets up that verse is by him going all the way back to the beginning of the Bible and he grabs this verse, this quote from God at the first wedding between Adam and Eve and he pulls it all the way forward to the New Testament and here's what he says. He says, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. And let's say this highlighted part together. This is a profound mystery. The exact Greek translation is mega 
mysterion. It is mega. It is profound. It is huge. It is one of the biggest mysteries in the world. And people still don't have this figured out. It is crazy. And the only way that you will be able to figure this out is through God's Holy Spirit at work in your life. This is what Paul's saying here. And he's saying, and I want to help you. I want to help unveil the secret of marriage. But what is this secret of marriage? He takes it a step further and helps us to get a peek into that secret, that mystery. Here's what he says. The verse goes on to say, this is a profound mystery, but I'm not talking about Christ, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Now, this is interesting. He's saying, so this, the way that Jesus Christ loves the church is an illustration of how men and women should love each other in the context of marriage. It's a reference, he references actually something that he mentioned a couple of verses higher in verse 25 when he's speaking specifically to men, but in the larger context of this passage, he's talking to both men and women about loving each other the way Christ loves the church. But here's what he says to us husbands. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He's saying, here, let me show you this secret. Let me show you this mysterion. Let me show you this mystery that people cannot figure out because their approach to marriage, their understanding of what it's supposed to accomplish and how to engage in it is completely flawed. He says, but if you'll approach it this way, setting aside your agenda, setting aside everything you think you're gonna get out of it, and the first question you ask is the question Jesus asked, what do they need? And how can I serve them? And how can I bless them? And Jesus came, he, he took his needs and his concerns and he made them a backseat to our needs and our concerns. He put us first. He laid himself down for the sake of our future and out of love for us. A beautiful picture of this is laid out for us in Philippians chapter two, verses five through eight where the Apostle Paul, once again, he's writing to another church in Philippi. He says this, in your relationships with one another, so this is not just marriage, this is any relationship, have the same mindset, the same approach, the same understanding as Christ Jesus. This is how he approached people, who being the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. It wasn't about you come serve me, come serve me, come serve me. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Paul's saying, let me help put this in context. Jesus went to the Roman cross and died for you and I to forgive our sin, to wipe away sin, condemnation, guilt, shame, everything that goes with sin. Sin always brings pain and suffering into the world and into your world every time. And he's come to forgive and to take that away. And he did this by way of the cross. He laid his concerns and needs to one side so that he could take your concerns and needs and put them first and foremost. And he, and, and he did this by saying, I'm not gonna approach this relationship with you and I by saying, I got needs that you need to meet. I've got personal um, you know, needs and goals and 
fulfillment that's going to be met by you coming and serving me. Now, here's what Jesus, this is so revolutionary, this is so mind-blowing when you begin to wrap your head around this. He said, here's the way that you actually find self-fulfillment. You serve other people. Loving service of others actually fills you up. Not trying to manipulate everybody else in your life to give you what you want. That will not ever fulfill you. Ever. It is fulfillment, but also, and, and I know this is the big fear. I've heard this pushback before as a pastor to say, well, if I like serve him, wives say, then won't I lose me? And men will say, well, if I'm always putting her first, aren't I going to lose my own identity and lose who I really am? Here's what Jesus teaches us. That is in serving the other person and lifting them up and, 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 and using your life and leveraging all that God gave you to be a blessing to them and encouragement to them that you actually find out who you are. You discover your true identity in Jesus Christ when you come and he says, the one who's willing to lay down their life will find it. But the one who holds on to it and protects it, guards it, will surely lose it. Jesus is trying to give us some, a clue here to this, this, this mystery, this secret. And he's saying it comes through giving. This is the thing for which you were designed you were created, you were crafted by a creator. And when you do this, and you learn how to do it from a place of love, just like Jesus did, it will be a blessing to you. It will be a blessing to your marriage. I'm telling you, one of the most powerful relational principles taught in scripture that will radically change your marriage. And if you're single and you hope to be married someday, I hope you'll write this down. Mutual submission, where two people bring the attitude I'm talking about into marriage and say, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to bless you. I want my life to be a leverage to yours. I want to help bring you, elevate you. I want God to use my life to make your life better. And when we do that, game changer for your marriage. Absolutely incredible. Amazing. Now if I could sum it up, put it in one statement. Do for your spouse what God did for you in Jesus and the rest will follow. Just do for your spouse. And, and, and I would just encourage you, make this a regular par- prayer, maybe a daily prayer of God, show me how I can love my spouse the way you love me. And maybe it's a conversation that you ask. I know that's risky. I know that's scary. Some of you are like, I don't want to ask. How can I love you better? Right? But I'm telling you, that is powerful. And there's breakthroughs that happen when you begin to get vulnerable like that and say, I want to be a blessing to you. And if there's some place where I am being like the opposite, I need to know about it. Tell me. I want us to get closer. And if I'm doing something that's being a wedge that's making it harder for you to be close to me, I need to know about it. It's so incredibly true. And what Paul is showing us here is he's saying that marriage is a picture of the gospel. And the gospel of Jesus is a picture of marriage. That when you understand fully one, you'll begin to understand the other better. That they are meant to be understand, understood at the same time. This is why 
marriage can be both wonderful and painful all at the same time because you know what? The gospel of Jesus is wonderful and was painful for him all at the same time. And this is a part of what he's asked us to take on as his people. Now, if I could just define real quick when I I refer to the gospel, the gospel simply is this, is that you are more flawed and sinful than you ever dared to believe before God. You are more flawed and sinful than you ever dared to believe. But at the same time, you are more loved and accepted by Jesus Christ than you ever dared to hope He loves you. He laid his life down for you. And he's saying, and let this be a model for how you love every other human being in your life, especially your husband or your wife. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but that's beautiful when it happens like that. Um, But yes, that's what he's saying. And and what's really beautiful about this is that there's these moments when you have the conflict in your marriage and things are not going great and it is difficult. Those do not have to pull you apart and they don't have to pull you away from God. Now, because of the power of the gospel, they can actually draw us closer to God and draw us closer to our spouse. And here's how. That the power of the gospel allows us that even though our spouse is not loving us the way that they should in this moment, that we can forgive and we can love them anyway. That we can see them purely and totally for who they are with all their flaws, sins, shortcomings, and everything, and we can love them entirely and forgive them entirely because you know why? That's the way Jesus loves us. And without him, without that connection, this doesn't happen. I mean, people can kind of fabricate it for a while. They can kind of like, I'm gonna work, I'm gonna rally, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to act loving for a little while, but you can only do it for so long in your own power. It's impossible to keep it up. And then there's gonna be a, it's over. I can't do this anymore, I'm out. I'm out of this marriage. And people throw in the towel and they say, I'm out. But when we continue to come back to God, connect with him and let that relationship with him be our, our source of power and love and we're able to love them at their most unlovely moment and what's beautiful is that when we give that gift of gospel love to our spouse it enables them, it gives them power to be able to turn around and give it to us when we need it most too because we're going to have those moments when our selfishness and flaws and sin immaturity all come out and the only way for marriage to survive is in those moments for two people to submit to the Lord and to love each other the way Christ loves us this is the great secret of marriage that through the gospel we get both the power and the pattern for marriage and without the gospel we're hopeless We have created a system that does not work. It's broken and it's getting more broke. But if you want to fix it, God's saying, the mystery is an open one. I will let you in on the secret. And here it is. It's learning first to be loved by God the way he meant for you to be loved through the forgiveness and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. And then learning to funnel that love into your spouse's life and ultimately into every person in your life to be able to learn to forgive and to love 
Now here's our application prayer that I want to ask you to pray with me today. It's simply saying, Jesus, show me where I am not loving my spouse as you love me. Now, if you're not married today, maybe you put a, a best friend or somebody who's close to you, a sister, a brother, a mom, a dad, or somebody in your life that you go, you know what, I'm just really not loving them like Jesus. And, and, and I want to take it even a step further. For those of you who are brave at heart, that are really courageous, that are like really wanting to grow spiritually, because many times the, the, uh, the restraint on our spiritual growth is our own threshold for pain, right? You know, we, we're only going to grow as fast as we allow God because it's just painful to grow sometimes. You've got to change. But if those of you who are ready to take that next step, I would encourage you to take this first sentence and turn it into a conversation, first with God, but secondly, with your spouse. To sit down and ask the question, where am I not loving you like Jesus loves me? Woo, that could be a little scary, but you know what? Very revealing. It may give you the secret to the next step in your marriage becoming much greater stronger and surviving whatever storm is coming your way that you don't even know is coming important begin to put that on the just like jesus was willing to lay down his life we've got to be willing to do the same that's how we get there and then here's the final part of this especially for those of you who are taking the first step to begin a relationship with jesus christ or the first step of surrendering your marriage or your future marriage to jesus i want to just cover it with this this uh, single uh, sentence here I surrender my marriage and my life to you or you may say my future marriage and my life to you once again thanks for listening if you live in the Brazos Valley we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services for directions, service times and information about our fabulous children's and student environments visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.